Good morning, Flagler County. This is Danielle Anderson, your host of Lifeline, the radio show connecting you to positivity here in our community. And we have the Erica Rivera in the studio today. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. The. Uh, <laughs> it's like the first time we've had you. So um, for folks who haven't had a chance to meet you yet, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I've been a resident of Flagler County for a little over 20 years. I did graduate from FPC. And currently I am an educator and speaker on sexual assault prevention and recovery, healthy intimacy and adolescent safety. And I'm also the founder of the National Care Foundation, which caters to uh, survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. So that's, that's a pretty impressive title. Yeah, it's it's intense. <laughs> yeah, I started I started off as an educator before becoming a victim's advocate. So strictly uh, sexual health education came first. So do you want to tell people a little bit how you got into the field or um, what kind of sparked your interest in it? Sure, sure. So um, and it's okay to be transparent here. So yeah. I'm going to be very transparent. Um, so right after high school, I did experience some traumas um, here locally. And this is early 2000s, so resources were not as accessible at the time, especially for teen rape survivors. Um, and I just felt like like there was a need. Originally, I wanted to go to school to become a doctor. I had a Harvard interest letter um, during high school, so I was pretty much going in that direction. But some home issues, experiencing teen, teen homelessness, I ended up getting uh, sexually assaulted, uh, that's how I lost my virginity. So it's a very deep, dark story. Um, so as I got older, you know, I was like, you know what? Maybe the medical field isn't my calling. I feel like I need to do something more with what I have experienced because I can't be the only one going through this, especially in what at the time I saw as a rural area. Right. So, um, so I decided to study sexual health. At the time, I felt like that was one of the main components for sexual assault prevention. So I didn't go right into victim's advocacy. I didn't really know what that looked like. But I did know that there were programs out there to study sexual health education and at least uh, talk about, you know, STI prevention, unwanted pregnancies, how to avoid those things and how to be safe, especially as a, as a teenager. And so, consent, right? And consent. Consent information is so, so important. That's, that's if anything, that's number one. Uh, I feel like kids should be taught consent, you know, from a very early age. So that's, that's, that's my beginning. So that's where I started. Um, I didn't actually become a victim's advocate until a few years ago. So, and that's, that's when I really was like, okay, there's, there's gotta be a way that I can provide more resources to our community because there still is a need and not just in Flagler, but even the surrounding counties, I feel like there's still a need, um, so that's that's where the National Care Foundation was born. CARE is actually an acronym for Center for Advocacy, Resources, and Equity. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. I wonder. I was like, it's got to stand for something. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, so are you finding out that like, um, you know, in high school, people never really talked about um, consent or, you know, what what that looks like, you know, especially kids are out there, they're having drinks, they're, they're experimenting with all kinds of things, you know, and you just think, okay, well, that was just kind of like a normal thing that must happen to everybody, but it's really not. No. And it did, you know, for someone like me, it did feel like the norm, like almost like society normalizes that it's okay to cat call or treat, uh, especially women a certain way. And then with men, you know, I kind of feel bad because I have 
talk to male survivors that were just like, you know, we're taught to be men and not have feelings. And so if we go through a sexual assault, you know, I feel like men hide it um, as opposed to like women, you know, sometimes we hide it too, but we're a little bit more vocal about what's going on. Whereas men have that pressure of, you know, that maybe that's a sign of weakness if I bring it up. So, you know, in school, I was a straight A student. I was kind of nerdy. I grew up in a very religious household. I was a virgin up until I graduated. So the concept of sex ed was like non-existent for me. Uh, So consent and things like that just didn't exist in my world. So when I did go through that sexual assault, it was like, whoa, you know, like, do I, I didn't even report it right away just because I thought I would get in trouble. I'm like, if I say something, I'm going to be in trouble, you know, my parents and all this stuff. And so I, I know that I, that there's a similar, there's similar stories out there. You know, I, at first I thought, oh, I'm the only one. No, like I have met so many people with the same story, which is actually really sad. You know, I wish I met less people, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, I think, believe the statistic now is like one in four women. And, um, it's, that's, uh, it's disappointing. <laughs> so how do you think it, and we kind of change the conversation yeah, yeah. even from like a middle school age to, mm-hmm. to move up to people, you know, getting accustomed to saying, Hey, I'm not comfortable with that. Or, you know, cause the young ladies, they really don't have, have the confidence to say no. No. And especially with like media now and TikTok and, you know, this pressure of, of kind of just looking a certain way and getting attention in certain ways, I feel like makes it so much harder to, to say no. You know, um, I actually met a parent recently whose child was going through this. Like they felt almost like they would be bullied if they, you know, were to have their boundaries. And yeah. I'm like, that's, you know, that's just, that's very concerning. So I, I want, I think there needs to be more programs or some sort of resource within the schools um, to teach students that, you know, that that's not the case, you know, that there isn't going to be, hopefully there isn't going to be a negative repercussion for having those boundaries and learning how to say no, you know, especially middle and high school. I mean, it's so, that's such a tough age. I mean, I, it, <laughs> I know <laughs> we were both teenagers. So yeah, you see these girls now, I mean, some of them, are, you know, I, I know my daughter's told me, Oh, this girl's a, a model and she has a million followers. I'm like, but you guys were in high school. And she's like, Oh, but it's like that. And here's her, her Instagram. And you're like, yep. The oh, Instagram model. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's that pressure doesn't make it any easier, especially because we don't know who's looking at those Instagram profiles. So yeah. when they call themselves Instagram models, it's not like they're a model, you know, a model under an agency. They are just posting these pictures online and, you know, the men that are probably messaging them, pretending to be their age, like there, there are stories like that. And, and there's pressure, like, there's girls that see that and they're like, oh, I want to, I want to be like her. I want that attention. And then now you're inviting negative attention and really scary stuff. Scary. T- yes. So absolutely. do they ever give you an opportunity to go in the schools and, and talk to students or, you know, back when we were, maybe they didn't in your school, but, um, they would have in the auditorium, there would be a speaker who would come in and everybody would go and listen. You know, do they, do you ever get to do that? I haven't really been able to do that. I did speak at a GED program here locally in Benel, which I believe was ages like 16 to 22. That was geared towards sexual assault. And it was, it was really good. I would love to do more of that, especially in our public school system and our high schools, middle schools. I know that some people frown upon elementary school, but I think in elementary school, we at least need consent information. And I'm not sure 
I don't want to say that there is or isn't, but I'm not sure if there is in the schools here. I know that in the state of Florida, it's not required. So we're not required to have sex ed in school. We're not required to teach consent information. And any info that is out there doesn't have to be medically accurate, which... You know, that's crazy to me. That's a little scary, too. So I'm like, who's implementing, who's creating these curriculums? So it would be nice um, to have that permission to come in and, and talk to students. So, and even to share your story, and yeah. somebody can say, you know, maybe you prevented that from happening to someone else. Yep. Yep. I'm always very transparent about my story, um, you know, because I know that that's what, is, that's what it's going to take for someone else to be transparent is, is hearing it from someone else saying, oh, okay, if she can be that open, then I should be able to as well. That's a big step though. Huge step. Huge. Um, you know, and, and for anyone listening who may have gone through something like my phone line is always open. So even if, you know, sometimes it's baby steps is opening up to one person and maybe someone else and, you know, and then using your story for positive impact, hopefully. And, you know, I've noticed there are more people that, that start to share those stories. And then you hear somebody else say, my gosh, you know, I need to talk about this. And then you're like, wow, you know, and you start to see the ripple effects. Oh yeah. And it feels like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders. Like I held it in for a very long time. Once I started to be more open, I'm like, oh, this is, this is good. This is part of the healing process is, is getting it off your chest and, and knowing that you're not the only one. So, so, okay. So talk a little bit about the, what you do with the sexual health stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. <laughs> We're just having like an open conversation, yes, open today, conversation. Saturday morning. Get your coffee, okay, guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's several aspects to the sexual health education. Um, one is definitely what we've been talking about, you know, just bringing awareness to sexual health topics, um, especially, you know, the school system that's, I'm very passionate about that. But I also work with adults. That's what I was going to say with yep. the grownups and sexual intimacy. That's got to be kind of tough for adults to talk about, right? Oh, yes. Especially because <laughs> <laughs> I've met, you know, it, it's a pride thing for some, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. And I'm like, well, are you really having, are a good time? you really having a, exactly, <laughs> are you really having a good time or do we need to talk about this? But nine times out of 10, when I speak with couples that may be having a disconnect in the bedroom, it's typically a, a communication issue. It's not normally like an anatomical thing yeah. or something physical. Usually it's a communication issue. And at times it does kind of go back to trauma. I've met people where, you know, I've been married to this person for a long time, but I haven't exactly been able to be intimate in this type of way because I went through X, Y, Z and I still haven't opened up to him or her about it. And it's like, okay, we need to work on that. You know, there are, you know, especially with trauma, there are barriers sometimes that keep us from having that healthy intimacy with another person. So also I've met some of the older couples who may have grown up or gotten married in a time where sex was just for procreation, just for family planning. And that's it. Not realizing that you can have pleasure-based sexual relations like that's okay you can be intimate with your partner just just because i'm sure that's like an awakening for them right oh yes oh yes and then i feel you know i'm like dang like all these years (laughs) (laughs) but it's better to be informed now and still you know still have that marriage you know because usually these couples are married you know married a long time yeah and it's you know things get stagnant and they're like what are we doing and you know i've i've had the have these conversations where it's either you know there's something with communication or you know a pattern of thinking like the family you know sex is just for having kids 
you know, that type of thinking that we need to kind of rewire and say, no, that's, that's not all that sex is for. And people think about intimacy. They think it's only about having sex, but they don't realize there's like those mental and emotional connections too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's not just about sex. There are ways that you can be intimate in how you speak to someone. Um, and it could be subtle touch. So if your love language is physical touch, it doesn't have to be sex. It could just simply be holding your partner's hand, you know, spending time with someone. I always bring up the love languages. Like they're great. If you don't know what your love language is, just Google it. There's a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is it on your website? Can people find like those kinds of things someplace under your resources? So it's it's about to be. So I just I, this past weekend I actually started to revamp my website. Oh, so I have I have two <laughs> websites. One's for the nonprofit. One is the EricaRivera.com. But yes, you will be able to find those resources there. Yeah. So your, your Saturday morning <laughs> is looking up already. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna talk about the National Care Foundation, all the great work that they're doing as well. We'll be right back. I'm really blessed to have the opportunity to work with uh, their internship program. I wish when I was going through high school here in Flagler that I had the opportunity to be able to work for a tech company locally and be able to get that experience. You know, I'm definitely excited to be more of a part of Coastal Cloud and the community. Hey, who's taking care of your air conditioner? If you don't have somebody good, give me a call. My name's Kyle. I've been doing air conditioning in Flagler County for 13 years. I'm now with Quantum AC. We look forward to being your air conditioning company. If you haven't had a checkup in a while, you really should. Call Kyle's cell phone number anytime. Okay. I'm Joe Wright, Quantum AC, part of the Quantum family. 586-9039. I look forward to your call. 586-9039. All right. Welcome back. We are here with Miss Erica Rivera and we're going to talk about the National Care Foundation. So tell us a little bit about what that does. Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, CARE stands for Center for Advocacy, Resources and Equity. So I actually started a Pride Night here locally, um, just on a whim. I was like, we need an adult social for the LGBT community, you know, because we don't have anything for that underserved community here. And um, Aaron Harris from Flagler Pride had approached me about collaborating. We started to collaborate. And I'm like, okay, you know, all this work I'm doing with sexual health education, um, you know, my background in victims advocacy, now I'm working with the LGBT community. I'm like, maybe a nonprofit is the way to go here. You know, those donations can really help cater to some of these underserved communities. And my on my to-do list, I would like to tackle homelessness as well, but I have a lot on my plate already, but that is in the works. Um, so all these things that I wanted to work on and the National Care Foundation was born. So the first fundraiser we had was in April of 2022, and that was for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And the funds went to a different nonprofit because I didn't have a 501c3 and I wanted to support someone that was already active. And then by March of 2023, I became a 501c3 officially. So the April that just passed, we had um, our own fundraiser and it was it was great. The The response from our community was, was awesome. I didn't, you know, I hate to say it, but I didn't expect that. You know, I was like really, really worried. <laughs> it's kind of come a long way. 
It is definitely, especially from when things happened to me so long ago versus now seeing the support, seeing more people open to speaking about, you know, these real issues that are happening and, you know, for lack of better words, people putting money where their mouth is. It's, it's, it was really great to see. And then I had the opportunity to speak at Elevate Daytona Beach. I spoke on sexual assault prevention recovery, and now we're working on our upcoming fundraiser in October in honor of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And 100% of you know donations that come to care go towards the survivors of our community. And not just our survivors, but also outreach education to prevent yes. these things from happening. So, so how do people, um, how is the organization able to work with people? Do you do like one-on-one direct or what? I do. I do actually. So I do work with survivors one-on-one. Um, I also have a support group that meets every other week for trauma survivors, sexual assault or domestic. Usually they, they kind of overlap a little bit, so I haven't separated it yet. Um, you know, if we, if we get bigger, I may, but right now it's every other Tuesday at Ripple Coworking in Flagler Beach. So there's support groups, there's one-on-one, uh, safety planning, you know, for, you know, people who are either currently going through it. And then I work with survivors and providing resources for them. So if we have a survivor who's like, Hey, you know, I need to get out of my location because of this particular situation I'm in, you know, I can, I can provide like, here are some shelters in the area. If someone needs mental health resources, if someone needs legal services having to do with what they are going through, then I try to provide them with those resources. So you've already got all that information instead of them having to go try to find it. Exactly. So I'm trying to make this a, a hub, like kind of a, a foundation that people can come to you and just get all the resources needed in one place. And there have been times too, where I will personally drive someone somewhere if they need a ride. Cause I also meet, you know, a lot of survivors that, Hey, I don't, I don't have a car right now. Or, you know, I, my abuser was kind of, an, you know, took over everything, our finances, this, that, and the other. So I take, you know, I take the time to say, okay, well, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll drive you where you need to go. Where's, where's your superwoman cape? So, <laughs> so yeah. And, uh, you know, one day, it, like we're obviously a new organization, but, you know, one day it would be nice to have the funds to maybe have transportation, uh, perhaps have an out, outreach center, you know, things of that nature that people can actually physically go to. And, and it's nice. It, um, it doesn't seem like there's any competition, you know, cause like family life center, everybody all works together and you guys work together and right. you know, it, it, it's nice to see people collaborating. Yes. Yes. And that's how you're going to reach the most people is by collaborating. So, you know, obviously I don't have a shelter, so I have referred to the family life center. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone is out of our area, cause I've, that's happened. My phone has rang where it might be a survivor from St. John's County, Volusia, wow. you know, I'll hook them up with Betty Griffin center or, you know, beacon center in Daytona. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really needed in this area. And I think, you know, I call it the National Care Foundation because I do travel a lot. So I do speaking engagements in other places, not just Florida. And I was thinking if, if there could be an outreach center in each state, that would be amazing. But the outreach center, I'd probably put in a rural area because these big cities, they have a lot of resources. Yeah. And really my focus is to put this particular center in a place where you may not have any resources because that's how I felt when, you know, 2003 we didn't have a whole lot in Flagler County and as a 17 year old you know I didn't know where to go so and that's what happens and plus so many people stay in the situations because they feel there is no opportunity to get out right right so 
So tell me a little about the fundraiser because that's our big deal. Okay. (laughs) So our next fundraiser is October 25th uh, at 6 p.m. And it's actually at the Streamline Hotel in Daytona Beach. So So cool. I love it there. Yeah. So we're (laughs) going to have the rooftop to ourselves, which is amazing. So unlike uh, Denim Day, which is our sexual assault awareness fundraiser every April, which is super casual at European Village, you know, we wear jeans in solidarity with sexual assault victims. This one's going to be semi-formal. So it is a masquerade, you know, being that holiday. Halloween's around the corner and October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I kind of just put it together. I'm like living behind the mask, you know, so we'll have masks um, there for a donation. You know, you're welcome to wear your own, of course, but we'll have some there for a donation. Semi-formal buffet is included. And of course, we're, you know, we're always looking for sponsors or local businesses that maybe want to donate towards our silent auction. You know, and what the name of your thing is so true as far as domestic violence, because everybody thinks it's all perfect. No, but we are living behind a mask for sure. And so our thing is by the end of the night, we're going to unmask domestic violence in our community. And so we'll have a few speakers. Uh, Christina Quinn from uh, Central Floridians for Social Equality will be speaking. Uh, Dr. Maria Dowling from KMDN Business Partners will be there as well. And then I'll be speaking. And one of the survivors that I have been working with, um, she actually just recently told me that she's willing to take a few minutes to oh, kind wow. of share her testimony and her experience with care. So I was, I'm really excited about that because that, that's that step with, that we were talking about earlier. You know, she hasn't really spoken about her situation and she feels like she's ready now. And I think that's going to be huge. That's I mean, don't put too much pressure, but just make it a, yeah, a nice just, like... Yep. And I totally, you know, I told her, you don't have to, but she heard about the event and she's like, oh, you think I could say a few words? I'm like, absolutely. Please do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's it like when you partner with someone like the Streamline and, and what's the reception been like in Volusia when you did Elevate? Amazing. I, again, another crowd I was worried about. I'm a worry wart though. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, so I was like, man, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, we have five minutes to say what we have to say. And in those five minutes, I was able to tell a lot, actually more details than what I just did here, you know, about my story. And, you know, especially when you have images, I feel like that really hits, you know, hits you. And, you know, I had pictures of me as a kid and the slideshow because I was molested as a child as well. So it kind it was five minutes of like a really intense story about how I've been sexually assaulted three times in my life. So if women are going through this multiple times in their life, we have an issue. And after the speech, I mean, there was a lot of people wanting to come up and shake my hand and, and talk to me about how they could help and, and, you know, the fact that they wanted to collaborate. And I was like, me? <laughs> like, little me? No way. No way. But it was, it was great. And so, you know, with Streamline, they were totally open to it, spoke with their event coordinator. There was no resistance whatsoever. Awesome. So. Yeah, I don't have anything negative to say there, which which is great. And I, I hope that the momentum continues. We're going to reach way more survivors this way. So you're, you're doing just like a really great job. And it's sort of like, did you ever envision that this would be the path you took? No way. <laughs> no, I, especially, you know, when I was homeless, I didn't, there's no way, you know, when I was, when I was homeless, I, I thought my life was was over. I mean, 17, no resources at the time. My parents weren't really in my life. And for somehow I stayed away from the drugs and stayed away from like, you know, to this day. So I waited until I was 21 to try my first drink. And, um, even while I was homeless and I was, I lived in drug houses. I jumped from like couch to couch and, 
in my mind, I was, I didn't know what my future looked like. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor, you know, at least that's how I thought, you know, I'm like, there's no way I ended up joining the military briefly thinking that was the answer. Yeah. So I, I was in the Navy oh as, a, as a corpsman, <laughs> very brief. Um, so I went in and came back to Florida, a homeless veteran. So that was hard to navigate as well. And it just, it was two years that were just very intense. And um, once, you know, it's crazy. I started going to church and I got saved and that happened. And then I started meeting the right people. And it's, I need to write a book. This, there's like not enough time. <laughs> yeah, there's like not enough time here to wow. say it all. But, but no, I didn't envision this. I honestly had no idea where I would end up. All I knew was that I was going to keep moving forward and doing, you know, making positive decisions. And wherever that took me, then that's where it took me. See, you've really kept your, your straight and narrow and your true I did. north. <laughs> I That's did. That's good, though. So for folks who want to come to the event, how do they get in touch with you or how do they get a ticket? So in order to come to the event, uh, the website is ntlcarefoundation.org. So that's one way. That's the official website. That's ntlcarefoundation.org. Another way is through Eventbrite, and it's benefitmasquerade.eventbrite.com. Awesome. And how much are tickets? So tickets are $50 and it includes dinner, the speakers, and we have a DJ as well. So we'll get to dance a little bit on the rooftop. And some of the coolest <laughs> pictures you're ever going to take. Yes. <laughs> up there, definitely. So, um, and also if they want to get in touch with you, if they need help with um, others, intimacy issues, things like that, is there another place they should go? Yes. So that's com. Although, you know, it's the same contact information technically on both websites, but if you want more information about the sexual health aspect and more about actually have a podcast set where I also share sexual health tidbits, that's com. That is awesome. Things are like making everybody Saturday morning a little spicier. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. So we want to thank uh, Coastal Cloud, Quantum Family of Businesses, and Mr. Joe Wright, WNZF News Radio, and Flagger News Weekly for sponsoring our show. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Don't, sure. You got it. 